Hello, everyone. This is Camden McInnes um, coming from the Books for a Better Life podcast brought to you by the Modern Gentleman Network. Um, last week, we had Ashley Shreve on our show from the Modern Gentleman Network. Ashley, for those of you who don't know, Ashley is a very close friend of mine. Um, I worked with him for about six months. And uh, through that, we built a really close relationship together. And um, so I'm very, very excited to be partnering up with Ashley Shreve to bring this new content to our radio station. And I'm even more excited about tonight's guest. Um, tonight's guest is author of the Men's Dating Manual, Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women, and The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Camden, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Linda, we were talking a little bit um, before the show got started. And um, one of the interesting things I wanted to actually bring up was you had a picture with uh, Larry King. Um, did you happen to go on to his show and uh, talk about your book? Or what, what, what was that interaction like? We were both at a uh, launch party at a social media event. And we got to talking. And way back in the day, Larry King got his start in radio. And it was uh, right when I was talking to him, I was just about ready to launch my radio program, my broadcast radio program. I was like a week away from that. So I thought, who better to ask about what to do than the king of, you know, the king of media, the king of radio and TV, right? So I said, I'm launching my show. What tips do you have for a newbie host? And he says, what is your premise? And I told him the premise that I'm pro-man, that I'm going to have men's only topics. And uh, the rest of the show is going to be a kickoff from my, my book, from my book, Mastering Women. So he says, okay, tell me a little bit about your book. And I said, the book is based on four principles, four tenets, that is my contention based on all my interviews with the 20,000 guys that I interviewed plus years and years of research into the subject that if a guy does the following four things, he can win over any girl, anywhere, anytime. That these are inherent, they're all, it's almost like a DNA coding kind of thing. They're inherent to across all women, meaning that it doesn't matter race, color, creed, religion, what country you live in, you know, any of that kind of stuff, because this is just inherent in her biology. It's inherent in her DNA. So it's my contention that if the guy does these four things, he can win her over. Now, the guy can use my techniques for either a one-night stand or on the complete opposite end of the spectrum for his forever girl. They, it works in, in both extremes and as well as everything in between. So... Larry King said, all right, briefly tell me what are those four tenets. And I told him, like in one sentence, what they are. And he goes, kid, you're going to make it far. It's a good premise of the show. And you don't need my help. You have it going on. You have it figured out. So, and right after that, we snapped the picture. And, um, you know, it was such a boost for him to lend me his ear, for him to be genuinely interested in what I had to and to render uh, the advice, and of course the advice was positive, so it doesn't get any better than that. So you got a blessing from the man Larry King himself. That, that must have been a pretty awesome experience. It was an awesome experience, and shortly after my conversation with him, he left the party. So, I mean, there were, you know, well over 150 people at the party, he probably talked to like two or three people, and I was one of those lucky two or three people. Because shortly, I mean, he made his appearance. He had to be there for, you know, outside reasons or whatever. Probably his publicist sent him or some agent sent him or something or another. So he made his mark, and he left. So I felt like so lucky that, you know, here we are in close proximity to the king, and practically no one else got to talk to him. That's awesome. You, you also mentioned a lot of really interesting things as well. Um, you mentioned that you have a pro men's uh, show, um, and you also mentioned, which I think is just phenomenal, um, 
you interviewed, you said over 20,000 men. Um, so what brought you to this? You really wanted to help out men with dating and uh, with being a mentor. Well, in the more recent past, it was because I was in a long-term marriage. I got out of my marriage, and then I just kind of did a head slap, like, where did all the good men go? So I started writing a daily column, and that column got really popular after a couple of months. And my readers just kept saying to me, oh, my gosh, you got to write a book. you got to write a book. This is like gold. You know, what, what you're giving is completely gold. We've never heard this type of talking we've never heard this angle before because actually most dating coaches are men and most of the time the men like couldn't get a date themselves and then they finally like figured it out so basically they're, they're teaching you know guys who can't get dates their method the bad part about what most of these guys most of the male dating coaches do is that they oftentimes teach guys to lie and deceive to get the girl. So luckily, uh -huh. luckily I don't have to resort to that because I think that if you're lying and deceiving, you really have no game. You really don't know how the process works. Because if you did know how the process works, you'd be solid. You wouldn't have to lie and deceive. You would just be a confident person and there's your line in the sand and that's it going to work or it's not going to work. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got started in the recent past. In the very old past, um, I have a degree in psychology, and um, I, as a little girl, I watched the second wave of feminism, you know, women's lit back in the 70s, and I thought to myself, as a child, I, I just said, oh my gosh, what are these women talking about? Don't they know? that women have all the power anyway. So I guess, I, agree. I guess they really didn't know. And to this day, here it is some 40 years later, they're still demanding to get their way because of their gender. Well, guess what? Nobody cares about what you do because of your gender. I mean, they care about you and they will respond to you because of your confidence, because of your character, because of what you bring to the table. Not because just just because of your gender, no one could give a rat's tail. So I think these women are just going about it all wrong, and they really just don't have a clue how powerful they can be and they could be. So they're just running around demanding rather than doing it in a feminine way, which is to attract the guy. I think that's actually, yeah, that's actually funny that you say that because of um, the conversations that I've had with my friends, how we talk about um, how a lot of uh, feminists seem like they want to make men more masculine when really um, a woman who's really feminine, um, I, I actually remember one friend actually had a quote. I'm not sure if he came up with it himself or if he read it somewhere, but he's like, man conquer the world and, and women conquer men. And uh, I thought about that, and I was like, yeah, that's a, a really feminine woman. Um, like, if you look at throughout history, um, like Alexander the Great, for example, he was control of his mother. Um, you got Queen, Queen Cleopatra, who was, uh, you know, she, she's, she, she was a master seducer, known for seducing powerful men. So it's actually really funny that you, you do say that, because that's something that, I've always felt that that's where the feminists kind of have it wrong is that, you know, um, it, it also seems like with a lot of the feminism that they kind of attack femininity or women that kind of want to be, you know, stay at home moms and just things that you would normally associate with uh, being feminine. Um, but also, I, I also want to go into what were the four, did you mind mentioning some of the, the four things that you had brought up to Larry King? Is, is that something you mind going into yeah. that can help men out? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, the, those are the tenets of my book. Those are the principles. And, you know, when the guy does them, it's going to be all golden after that. So the number one tenet, the number one quality that most women want and need, they need it like they need air to breathe, is confidence. 
So why is that? Um, I take it back down. I took my research back down to caveman days some 10,000 years ago. And back in the day, the reason why we need you to be that way is because if there is a threat, there's a threat to the camp or the village or the children or whatever, maybe the threat is um, some type of weather threat. Maybe it's like a hurricane or tsunami or an avalanche or whatever it is. Or maybe it's a threat by an animal, maybe um, you know, a lion kind of got in the village or some sort of animal that is going to do the women and children harm. So Mother Nature made men, in general, bigger, badder, stronger, faster than women in order to take care of the threat. So um, the confidence gene is so important because it basically says you know, that the guy is going to be the capable one to get her out of danger, to get the children out of danger, um, put them in a safe place so the guys in the village can conquer whatever that threat is. So you can fast forward to, you know, 9-11 or whatever modern day threat you want to, you know, you want to uh, cite. Um, let's say you were stuck in a building and the building, you know, bombs going off or there's a fire in the building or whatever. You want, as a woman, you want to look to the guy who is most resourceful. How is he going to get you out of that building? That's the guy you want to follow. So this whole thing about, oh, we want a sensitive man and all this kind of stuff. Oh, we want a guy to, you know, uh, hold our purse at the mall. Heck no. Because let's say you're at the mall and there's some sort of threat. Let's say it's a bomb threat or whatever it is. There's some sort of threat. You don't want your nice guy running under the clothes rack, you know, shivering and chattering his teeth. That's not the guy that's going to lead you out of danger. That's why nice guy doesn't work. We don't want that guy. I mean, that would be the equivalent of a female. What do we need them for? We want some guy who is um, willing to be a problem solver and a risk taker and help us out of danger. That's basically what it is. So, so anyway, long story on that, but the confidence gene is paramount. It's number one. And I know a lot of guys don't have the confidence gene, and I would say probably most of the book is how to develop your confidence and then how to use it effectively with women. Um, how to develop it, you can't really practice on women. You have to develop the confidence gene aside from women. And then once you do, once you have the confidence, then it's inherent. It's in your gut. And it will naturally spill over to how you interact with women. So a, a few of the ways that I recommend that we can build your confidence is, um, you know, by having a hobby or playing a sport or having a passion or your job. Something has to be part of your life that you get good at, that you practice every day or every week routinely until you are good at one singular thing. And then once you have that, then that's with you forever. No one can change that. And that's what makes the shift. That's what makes women like look up to you and respect you, respect you and be drawn to you. So that's number one. That's actually. Uh, in case you have any comments, and then I'll go on to the other one. Um, currently, I don't have any. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I have anybody in the chat room. Uh, no, not yet. Yeah, well, that's that's actually pretty. In, that's pretty interesting that you said that. Um, I was boxing for about eight years, and um, I noticed that when I dropped off of uh, training and going to the gym. Um, everything else in my life, especially my own relationship at the time, suffered. And um, I, I noticed that once I got back into the gym several months later, my relationship started to, to get better. I, I, just overall in life, I started to do better in every single area just from doing that one thing that I've been doing since I was a kid. Wow. Isn't that funny how it's so magical that way that it's so related? It is. Um, you know, when you made that punch and there are certain punches 
where you don't even have to look at your club. You don't even have to know where it's going. Maybe it's the sound of the punch. Maybe it's the fluidity and the ease of your shoulder hitting, you know, your, your, the swing of your arm hitting the object. There's something about certain punches. I'm just using your situation as an analogy. There's certain situations where you just know, darn, that was a really good punch. Okay, that's what builds your confidence. Because you walk out of there because you, you know you have that feeling. So you just tap into that feeling when you start talking to women. In fact, you don't even really have to do anything. It just oozes out by itself. You know, it, it translates with how you view life, how you carry yourself, how you literally walk through life. When you walk into a room, it just translates. Okay, so so uh, let, let's go on to uh, number two. What is the number two uh, step? Yeah, number two is connect with her. And I see a lot of guys making the mistake of not connecting with her. So before you walk over to her or before you respond to her dating profile or what have you, find one piece of something or another that's in common between the two of you. Um, you know, let's say she's, let's say you're reading your dating profile or whatever, and it says that she is a golfer. So find, your opening line should be related to something that you have in common. Because when you do that, whether it's a woman or a client, or if you're in sales, or you're speaking to your boss about getting a raise or whatever, if you do that, that connection is a form of bonding. And in a woman's world, it's everything, because women are sort of based on connections. Men are not based on connections. Men are very linear. They're perfectly fine women, you know, going on a camping trip and staying by themselves for a week. You know, that's their idea of fun. So women, I mean, men kind of don't get this connection. Some men don't get the connection thing. But if you're going to interact with a woman, you play on her playing field. So. If that's number two for her, that's number two for her. That's something in your arsenal that you can pull out of your toolbox and use. So let's say you're at a live location and maybe the both of you are listening to a band. Okay, so use the band as your opening line. Say, wow, this band is really good. You know, I was here like three months ago and the same band was playing and I really like them and that's why I came again tonight. Have you heard this band before? That's your point of connection. Or you could look around and maybe the, the guy over there at table 22 is giving the waitress a hard time. So you can kind of make a comment about, you know, you're both experience, experiencing this guy giving the waitress a hard time. Okay, so that's your icebreaker. But it doesn't have to be anything deep. It has to just be like one sentence to make the connection. And by making the connection from her end, she thinks that you're bonding with her, that you guys are on the same page, and that's what draws her into you. So then how much, uh, like, how much does looks matter then when it comes to attracting a woman? You know, for men, looks is number one. Mm -hmm. For women, it's not. Is it in the top ten? Yes. Is it in the top four? No. Not the top four. And that's why, and I know men choose not to believe this, but biologically speaking, that's how it is. Um, you often see drop-dead gorgeous girls, maybe they're models or they're, you know, they're eight, nines, and tens, and she's with some fat, short, dumb guy, um, you know, for reasons other than looks. So the, <laughs> the exception to this rule is the 20-something-year-old women, and the reason why is because the new women of today who are often also raised by a single mom, they don't know how to be feminine. So they have decided, well, I'm going to play the game just like men. I'm going to act just like men. And if men are so into looks, then I'm going to be so into looks because they're so shallow and so empty-headed, they wouldn't know how to get a guy any other way. 
So that's the level that they're going to speak on. They just haven't developed enough of a sense of self, nor probably did they have a good dad to teach them about men. So they're just they're just pretending that they're acting like guys. That's the exception to the rule. But you know, once they do figure it out in their thirties and forties, then once again they will not have most not, you know top of the list. So I would say overall for all women, looks for women is in the top ten. It might be I don't know number seven or eight like that, but it certainly is not in the top four. Oh wow! Okay, well that that doesn't completely um, surprise me. Like what you said about like younger women in their twenties today about them um, being more concerned about looks. I've definitely noticed that as well. Um, but yeah, I guess for a lot of guys that is really great news that uh, looks don't one hundred percent matter. So you know you can you know decently have yourself together and still attract a pretty decent woman who's, you know, at least decent looking and at least has her shit somewhat together. Um, so with with that conversation with uh, Larry King, what was uh, step number three? Step number three is caring, which means that you have, a, you have to give a rat's tail. If you don't care about her, let her go. She's not a good match for you. So if there's something within you that you just, like, don't want to hang out with her or don't want to strike a conversation with her, don't want to be around her, it means you don't care. So if you don't care, move on. Quit being lazy, move on. She's not floating your boat, so move on. Find somebody that you do care about. So what would be, I guess, then the line between caring and uh, being like too much of a nice guy because i think a lot of guys that i speak to especially with the whole pickup artist community a lot of them feel like showing any emotion or any sense of like their their concern for that woman um that they feel that that's i guess what they would call beta male behavior what's your take on that When you're doing the fake caring, like a lot of these other male dating coaches teach you guys to do, it's really, True. it's really the bottom line is you want to get laid. So you will say whatever you need to say in order to get laid. Okay, that's not caring for real. That's like pretend caring, which isn't going to work. But when you really care about somebody, let's say it's grandma, or let's say it's, you know, a, a lady that you saw in the market that just all the oranges or whatever if you really care a guy will move mountains to help a woman out when you really care when you really want to if you don't want to then she's not the right woman i'm not saying the I'm, it, it, you're right it's a fine line it's not being overly you know sensitive and overly caring and overly gracious no i'm not saying that i'm just saying there's got to be attraction there for you to care to take it to the next level if you don't uh -huh. care to the next level and the equation is only about oh i need to get laid tonight then you know what is that <laughs> i mean it's when let her go yeah see my theory is you should want to care and want to have sex with her you should have both if, if you're only being motivated by by just, you know, I will say anything, do anything, and say things that she wants to hear, because guess what? I'm horny, I need to get laid tonight. Which is a very horrible thing to do, playing with people's emotions like that. Yeah, I mean, um. use my techniques really well, and they are professional players, but they, in other words, they are, you know, they're going to see you one, two, three times, and that's it.
because it's pure and it's truthful. But again, there's a, a technique and there's a way to do that where, you, you know, it's my feeling you can say whatever you want to say. But, you know, don't do it with uh, being ingenuous. Now, with regard to the players in general, the players do step two and step three. But most of the players are liars. They're doing step two and step three, connecting with her and caring with her because they think they have to. They're smart enough to know that they need to do it, but they're disingenuous when they do it. So the difference between those guys and a guy who what I call is a good guy or an authentic guy is, you know, the authentic people don't have to resort to lying. But they really don't really, really care. It's just that, you know, for this moment in time, they're not interested in having a relationship. And they're not invested, meaning that if she's not down for that, then there's no hard feelings. Everybody walks away and, you know, no one got hurt. Fair play from there. Okay. Okay, step interaction. Um. Hello? Yep, are you still there? Yep, yep. I, I asked you what would be step four? Um, yeah, step four is I call that character. Sometimes I call it consistency, which is kind of the same thing. Basically, you're walking the walk, talking the talk. What you say do your actions match your words. Um, you have integrity, you're a gentleman, you're polite, um, and you know you're consistent. You're consistent with who you are, what you are, and what your intentions are. And like I say, you can use it for both ends of the spectrum, either a temporary situation or a lifetime partner. Um, but you have integrity with your actions. And the one thing that the players don't have, remember I was telling you a moment ago, that they know to do step two and step three, but they're doing them disingenuously. The thing that the authentic guy has over the players is the players do not have character. So that's why the authentic guy, when they learn my techniques, they're always going to win because the players don't have that, that quality. I also wanted to ask, when it comes to the number exchange, who, who, like, who should generally call first? I know um, a few of my friends, they'll just kind of carry like a business card and they'll give it to the woman that they meet and then they'll like, their whole idea is to frame it as and they're leave all him and kind of chase him. Um, what's your uh, take on that? Men's brains are linear. They're, they, there's two sides of the brain, and men, most men in general, live on the linear side, which is the side that um, is in charge of uh, you know, the analytics and the rational side. They live on that side of the brain 90% of the time. So for most men to leave that side of the brain, to go to the female side of the brain, it's, it's too big of a gap. So let's say, you know, you know, you, you want the girl to call you and she calls you, but hey, you're in the middle of work. You can't talk to her. Or hey, you're at a ball game. You can't talk to her. Or hey, you know, you're celebrating your buddy's birthday or whatever. Hey, you can't talk to her. It takes a lot of seconds for the, for the male brain to leave that logical side of your brain, to go to the emo side, to shift gears, to talk to her. In fact, most guys get upset, like you're interrupting what I'm doing. I mean, of course they won't say that to the girl, but most guys get upset because they see it as an interruption, not as a welcome phone call. 
or a welcome text. So, well, a text you can actually take your time to respond back to it. But um, the phone call, they see it as an interruption. So I'm saying from a biological point of view, it's not the best. It is the best when the guy initiates the call because guess what? Then you have time to go to the other side of your brain. It's like you're prepared for it and you want to talk to the girl and it just works better when, when the guy does the initiation rather than the girl. Now, I know the reason why a lot of guys say, oh, well, you know, I want the girl to call me. Give me your digits, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think the guys who do this, it's mainly because guys hate the fear of rejection. That if he does make the call, that she might not answer, or she might block the call, or you know, some bad event might happen as a result of making the call. Um, to that I say get over it. Girls don't like having their periods. Guys don't like having rejection. It's just a fact of life. Get over it. Like there, there are some techniques in the book how you can get over the, the fear of rejection, and it just takes practice. So I think overall it's not a good idea. Um, and then when down the line from that, let's say she does call you, I advise in my book that you allow her to take the lead. By, by her calling you, she's in the lead. She's being the aggressor. She's taking on the male role. I allow that one time because if you let that continue, then guess what? Then she's just going to run you for the rest of your relationship. That'll last about three months, and then she's going to start to abuse it. She's going to start uh, controlling you, nagging you, and manipulating you. Why? Because she can. Because you let her get away with that. And who wants to be in a relationship? You let the lead. That's fascinating. And um, hello, can you still hear me? Yeah, I do. Okay. And I, I also want to go into the uh, dating myths. Like, what are some things that just really aren't true out there? A lot of guys have a lot of limiting beliefs in their head and different things. And I know research compared to most of the sources that I've actually came in contact with. So I'm going to trust you with the uh, question, like, what are some myths out there that you down? Right. Okay, the number one question that I was asked when I was interviewing these 20,000 guys was, why does nice guy not work? Okay, so like I say, we don't want you shivering and running under the clothes rack. It's, 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 Flat out doesn't work. I don't teach nice, nice guy. In fact, I have a whole chapter in my book, Master of Women, on nice guy and why it doesn't work. And I also teach guys on what puts you in that nice guy category. Because there are subtle tests that women do that even she doesn't know that she does them. She's not doing them to be malicious. It's just a, I don't know, it's just that inherent thing that she'll she will put you through certain groups just to see how you're going to respond and if you respond accordingly she's going to put you in that nice guy category which means you know you've basically been friend zoned and that's it she's not seeing you as a romantic or sexual partner from that point on because she sees you as an equal as a, as a fellow girl so um yeah there there are a lot of those secret tips So the modern day woman to 
only ones that have a backbone. And it's not that we like a bad guy. It's because these uh -huh. men will actually stand up for her, which is what she's looking for, which is what I'm telling you about the female texting. Um, you know, she's pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, and if you don't push back, bam, they're going to go into the, that friend zone. So she's actually wanting you to step up and to, um, you know, take a little bit of the control. And it doesn't have to be a lot of control. It doesn't have to be lopsided like our grandparents' generation where it was 90-10. You have to be, what I write in my book, you have to be only 1% more of a man than she is. That's all it takes. There has to be I like that. And it better be the guy. If it's not the guy, like I say, in three months, you're going to feel some pain. Because she's going to start manipulating you and controlling you. Do, uh, do, do you think any of this can, like, do you think a man who grows, like, a young boy who grows up without a father, do you think that that can affect his dating life later in the future, like what you were saying, how a woman can walk all over him and because he just isn't able to rise up to his manhood? Right, absolutely. Um, a lot of these single moms think that the sexes are equal, that the sexes are the same, and they feminize a lot of their, their young men. They feminize their sons, and that's not a good thing. I repeatedly try to get out the message to these single moms that, Look, you chose the guy. You chose the father. You chose to lay down with him. So take ownership in that. And if the father really and truly is not around and is not part of the child's life, I tell these single moms, the boy needs a male role model. So bring the boy around grandpa or uncle, or it might be a sports coach, it might be a religious figure, maybe at your church, or whatever your religious faith is, but that boy needs to be around uh, men who are a little bit older than he is that he can use as a template. Now, of course, a lot of single moms don't want to hear that, and they don't do it. And so basically, the child is raised with a lot of women in their life. He's raised with mom, grandma, uh, the next door neighbor who's a female, the teacher who's a female, and all this female, you know, all this estrogen influence is really not doing the child any favors. So um, in the early days, does he need his mom? Of course he does. But once he becomes, uh, once he gets into his late teens, he really needs a blueprint and he really needs to have you know, a male figure, um, a male mentor that he can look up to and that he can learn from. So let's say mom is just being very possessive and she doesn't you know, let him around men at all, let alone his dad. Well, I guess he's just going to have to wait it out until he's 18, until he can make his own decisions. And to that person, I tell him to go find your own mentor, to go find your own, uh, you know, your own male figure that you can learn from. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a professor, maybe it's, you know, I don't know who it is, but you need to have someone that you respect and you look up to and that you can learn the male way. Your mom can't teach that part. I uh, I completely agree. Um, I myself what I was saying before we started the call. Um, I was raised by a single mother and a bunch of aunts. Uh, fortunately for me, I was in boxing in the law school, so I, I did get that balance. You know, there's a lot of rough rough housing, play fighting on my end. Um, so there was a lot of uh, you know I, I still got a lot of male bonding time but I, I did notice that as I got older in my dating life um, what became a real issue was uh, the whole um, I was because my mom always taught me how to be a gentleman and stuff and so I kind of had to uh, kind of I kind of had to go to my father um, that my mother at the time would have considered a, a scumbag to kind of learn how to navigate the whole interaction with women and uh, thank God that my dad was willing to talk to me because I uh, was like a fish drowning. 
um, on on a land without them. And also, um, yeah, 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 a fish. Sorry. Did uh, your interaction with your dad happen before you were 18 or after you were 18? It was before, um, but, like, it was scattered a bit. Like, I would there, – there'd be sometimes I'd go about, like, six months or so without seeing him, and then I'd be spending, like, a few months out of the year with him. And so it was – it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily my father as I would have liked, but fortunately, me and him have a really close right now um so we're you know there's there's still a lot of things that i'm, I'm very grateful to sell, still have him around because there's a lot of things that he's teaching me and especially when it comes to dealing with the opposite sex um he's taught me a lot uh, a, a lot of things that my uh, mother had taught me kind of got choked out by uh, the things he taught me fortunately and i love my mother but her advice didn't work very well i'm very happy to hear this They do. <laughs> well, I, I also wanted to ask you, um, like, in a, your book, you talk about the, uh, I believe you said that the more, I guess for lack of better words, more higher quality women um, that a lot of uh, men are kind of afraid of. I believe you said there's less competition up there. Um, I always kind of believe the opposite. Do, do, do you mind telling me why um, you say that there's less competition going after what guys consider hotter women? Yeah, I mean, I think men are talking from their own vantage point. So let's, let's say you're in a race with another male. You know, you're competitive with that male by nature. So um, you're going to do whatever you're going to do to win that other pair of dash or that race or or to win that extra sale in the office, or like whatever it is. You're in competition with men because that's how men are built. Men are built to be competitive. So men make the mistake of extrapolating this notion to women. They think that a higher quality girl, let's say she's an eight, nine, or 10, both in the looks department, the brains department, personality department, they think that the higher the girl is on the food chain, that that girl is going to be harder to get. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Because guess Interesting. what? The reason why it doesn't work that way is because guess what? All of you guys are thinking the same thing. So if you're all thinking the same thing, that she's approachable, nobody's approaching her. She's, she's the one that's alone on Friday and Saturday nights. No one is approaching her because you guys are not making the effort. So you need to get out of your male thinking and you have to frame it in her reference. So in her reference, all she cares about is, are you doing the four C's? Now she doesn't know this, I mean, this is based on years of my research. Um, in fact, I tell guys, don't even talk to her about the four C's. It's, if that's your little secret, you don't need to let the cat out of the bag. But anyway, she inherently for the guy that has the confidence and to do the three other tenants, that's what floats her boat. So it's not the male logic that she's higher on the food chain, therefore inaccessible. It doesn't work. In fact, um, I tell guys, when you enter a room, go after the, the one who's the hottest girl in the room. You have nothing to lose. It's just as hard to talk to that girl than any other girl. It's just, in fact, Actually, it's even harder to talk to the threes and the fours because the threes and the fours, they just are ball busters. They just feel like they're so entitled. It's actually harder to talk, talk to a three and a four. And guess what? They have to be that way because I guess, you know, that's how they make it, you know, in their world, make it up the food chain is by being, you know, more aggressive. But, you know, most guys I talk to, they don't want a girl that, that, that is that aggressive. They actually want a girl that does have 
some feminine charm to her because otherwise you'd just be, you know, effing another dude. Who wants that? <laughs> and uh, what was the, so you interviewed 20,000 men. What was some of the most common things that you heard them say? Well, this one that you just mentioned with, you know, the prettier girls, you know, the girls higher on the food chain are harder to get, which I just spell that. I, I don't believe that at all. Um, let me think about that in a moment. Like, what else is kind of in this category? I think there are a lot of uh, techniques, as I was mentioning to you, that, that girls, they're finding out what you're made of to see whether you're an acceptable candidate or not. I call this territorialization. Um, if you've ever had a dog and you walk the dog down the street and the dog stops at a particular tree, basically he's marking that tree. He's saying, this is my scent, this is my tree. And to the other dogs, he's sending a message like, lay off my tree. That's my treat. Well, girls do the same thing. They don't realize they're doing it, but there are certain marking mechanisms that I call territorialization that lets the other women who are nearby or in earshot or within striking distance of her guide to let these other, the competition women in the area that, hey, stay away from my guy. My guy is taken, this is my guy. And so I teach uh, guys what those uh, tactics are. Those are actually a very good thing to know. Um, I, I also had uh, met a woman recently. It was about a month and a half ago. We started seeing each other and um, I know that you had brought up in uh, your book about long distance relationships. Um, this woman, she had actually recently moved back uh, two hours uh, to Toronto, which is two hours away from where I live. Um, what's your opinion on long distance romance? Do you think it's worth investing in? Do you think it's, it's something that could be maintained over a long period of time? Um, should guys even consider doing that?
said, wow, there's a, a characteristic that I really don't like and I can't live with. You don't get to see that when you're on vacation behavior. Everybody's on their best behavior. So anyway, he cuts me out, told me how long it was, and that and the other. And I just just laid it into him that he is choosing a girl um, his physical distance because he wants to be emotionally distant. distant. And that's the way he likes it. So I offered to uh, teach him like how to find a girl in his own town. I didn't care that his own town was small. I knew that, you know, it could work. So sure enough, he does find somebody in his hometown that lives like two miles away from him. Perfect. Um, he met her at, at a barbecue. He ended up dumping the girl from New York. He got, um, you know, hot and heavy with the girl from two miles away. And like six months later, he sent me an invitation to his wedding. And he goes, you know, oh, wow. Yeah, he goes, you know what? I'm so glad you harped on me with this issue because everything you said was true. I just didn't want to hear it. So, so he was holding himself back the whole entire time. And there were issues that he had to deal with in advance of getting married. There, there was a big roadblock, and that's what was causing the fear. And he did want that emotional and physical distance and when he also worked uh, in addition to meeting girl aside from her he did work on that roadblock got the roadblock out of the way and you know it's now several years later they're still together and he's very happy and guess what he did find a girl in his Pittsburgh little town so, so what are some like, so what are some things people in, in small towns can uh, do to um, meet new people uh, today? Because I know um, in my small town, it's about like 300,000 people. It's not it's not a whole lot. Um, a lot of people kind of know each other. Um, so the whole idea of like going, like kind of going around from relationship to relationship, especially if you're not a uh, necessarily, um, let's, let's just say that, at the end of each relationship, you don't necessarily have the best references um, at by by the time it's done. What are some things that people can kind of do to meet people who are a little bit more serious about being in a relationship instead of doing the whole serial monogamous thing? Yeah. Whether you live in a small town or whether you live in a big town, I, I kind of, the best way to meet people is to meet them in person. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I like photography. You like skiing, you know, snowboarding, then, you know, do snowboard. Um, you know, whatever it is. If you like hiking, then do hiking. So the people that you meet with doing something that you already love, you know, if you're in a stamp collection, like whatever your deal is, you know, if you meet people doing something that you already love, you know, that's, that's that can see. You've already got that one handled like right, out, right out of the gate. So that's always a good thing. And, you know, in your town, I mean, you've got to spend some time in your downtime, aside from work, doing something. Um, so, you know, I mean, I don't really like all the video games that people play and stuff. But it's sort of a form of disconnect. But, I mean, if you're into fantasy football and you meet somebody who's into fantasy football, you know, don't spend the whole time, you know, on that. You know, find a way to, like, ask her out on a date see if there's a connection aside from uh, whatever your digital connection So, so we're getting to the end of our show here. Um, what are some things that men can do right now to um, be a, to better attract the opposite sex? Something that they can start doing like right away? Well, like I was saying, the confidence thing is so paramount. It's so number one. A lot of guys don't have confidence. So, uh -huh. I would say the best way to get going on that is figure out something that you really love to do. Like, what is your passion? What is your hobby? What is your interest? And unfortunately, a lot of guys today, they can't even answer that question. So, what I tell them to do, I'm like, go back to age eight. Like, you know, it seems like when we're in our teen years, you know, the hormones are flowing and 
we kind of get derailed and then you know we, we get upset with this and upset with that burning pressures and cool pressures it seems like we go uh, awry during our teen years so i bring them back to age eight like what did you dream of when you were age eight and they're like oh well you know i had a baseball card collection or oh you know i like to play basketball on the weekends or like whatever it is so go back to that point in time and start working on your passion and your interest. And that's probably the best gift you can give any woman is to develop that sense of confidence. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, and then I get the second C kind of plays into it too. Um, you know, I was mentioning at the top of the show that on a camping trip and not seeing anybody for a week and they're they're perfectly fine being in solitude you know for a week that a lot of guys love that they don't want to talk they want to think you know it's just they want to unplug um that's all well and good but kind of the girl creatures work the opposite of that so you have to practice how to connect if you're not that person already so the way i teach in my book I tell them I want you to practice with at least 10 women a day. I want you to pick somebody that's an easy mark. Pick somebody who's like a four or five or six because there's nothing vested. You're not going to lose anything. It's not the end of the world. So let's say her pumping gas. Um, you know, there's somebody, somebody next to you or maybe it's a cashier or whatever. You can talk to them. Uh, maybe you're getting a sandwich at Subway. Maybe you're going to the post office. Maybe you're going to the market. Whatever it is, you come in contact with 10 women a day. So your job is start off small. You don't have to do even a conversation. You, there has to be something about you that elicits a response from them. The response can be um, she's smiling at you. She's nodding, she's winking, she's saying hello, she's saying good morning. There's something about your presence that you have to elicit a response from her. Now, if it might be somebody that you really want to talk to, of course, you can have longer conversations than just a, one, a zero or one word answer. Um, and I want you to do this. I tell the guys who are like really, you know, they, they don't have a connection at all. That, that if you do this for two to three um, two to three months, by the time the third month it comes around, you kind of have a good sense of what works and what's going to get a positive reaction out of the girl, and then you can step up your game to somebody who is a seven or better. So very. It all makes makes perfect sense. It's very. It's, I guess it's like anything else. Um, building up a skill and eventually working your way up to the top. Very nice. Absolutely. Well, Linda? Again, it's, it's confidence building. When, when you take it in little steps like that, if she's a four, five, or six, you have nothing to lose. So go for it. Just practice your skill. Beautiful. And uh, where can uh, the audience find your book? Um, they can find my book on Amazon. And uh, it, it comes in either an ebook format or Awesome. Awesome. Well, Linda, thank you very much for coming on to the show. We had some technical difficulties at first, but fortunately we were able to work around it. Um, you were a great guest on the show, so thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, too. I want to invite guys to also listen to my radio program um, in Los Angeles on KMT 1490 AM, or if they are away from Los Angeles, um, you can listen either on the live stream or on demand, and all of that information, program information, who my guests are, 
go to my Facebook fan page, which is The Men's Advocate Show. Uh, the Men's Advocate Show on Facebook. You'll see all of those links. All they have to do is hit the like page at the top right corner, and they will get the, the notification once a and uh, for those of you listening at home, all that information will be placed in the description below. Thank you, and have a great day, Linda. Thank you, Candy, so much. And uh, let's feel free to do this again either on my show or yours. Most definitely. Very good. Thank you again. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. <laughs> Bye-bye.